Look. I may be a dumb robot. Whose brother sometimes says the wrong thing? But I even I know better than to walk into an offensive Harvey Weinstein joke when it's topical. Even if this episode has a creep making unwanted advances on a lady. Hello, and welcome to The Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we will be going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the greatest show about aliens with a bunch of shit on their faces and bodies. (laughs) With me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, guys. And Hugh Crawford. Hello, everybody. Hello, and my name is Wade Bowen. And yep, today we are making a, uh, a return to Grace ah. over and over again. We're returning. Well, anyways, that's the name of the episode. Yes. Return to Grace. Yes, it is the 13th episode of season four. It originally aired on February 5th, 1996. And here is the IMDb description. Ducat returns, stripped of his prestige, to escort Kira to a Cardassian conference about the Dominion. But an attack by a Klingon raider may give Ducat a chance to redeem himself in the eyes of his government. This is a this is basically a bottle episode, right? Don't you would would, would we call it that? Yeah, they saved on set time. That was for what they made. Did they? Well, but they had to build new sets and well, I mean, rearrange their. Lego set walls. Well, I mean, put- I'm bottle in the sense that it basically happens in like two rooms. Yeah. And, and there's like two, two characters, there's mostly two characters in two rooms. Mm-hmm. Mostly. Yeah. 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 Um, it's a, yes. Yeah. It, it, this is, this whole story hinges on a lot of Deep Space Nine specific story stuff. If you were just a casual Star Trek viewer and you were going to flip up through the channels and you were going to watch a rerun and you had, you're just like, oh, Star Trek, this is cool. And then you yeah. watch this episode, you you wouldn't know what the fuck's going on. All right, wait, where's the Federation? Wait, where are the where are the humans? There's this lady with the shit on her nose. That guy tried to kill his daughter, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why is this guy he's said- watching an Edward Albee play, but with aliens? Right. Like- yeah, <laughs> that guy tried to kill that lady's whole society and now they're fighting together. What? <laughs> the only thing I the only, the only thing I understand is the clown. If yeah. a person picked that up from the backstory, I'd be impressed, actually. Well, I mean, he- they mentioned that. I mean that was a, that's a big crux yeah. of this episode, is that teach. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. Like it's it's a big part of it. But if I were going in cold, I'd be like, why are they even? F- I, I I would be very confused. Yes. Yeah, and so that's that's kind of my point. Here we are. We're just like, we're at the point of no return with Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Like we're yeah. we've left a lot of the Star Trek TV stuff behind. Alien of the Week. We're not going to get any more Alien of the Week move along home bullshit from here on out. Well, everything from here. On, <laughs> do we? I don't know. I feel like there's some. They maybe. Uh, I don't know. I feel I mean, like everything that we get is pretty much well connected to the overall arc of the series. Now, I there's mean, some. You got to think about think think about this the scope of the show from what we've seen forward. And without any spoilers, I'm just going to say this: we haven't seen a Vorta yet. Yeah, that's, that's how involved the plot gets from right. like this point on. Right. Is that one like you think of like all of the complicated Dominion stuff then that you remember in your brain? Hasn't started yet. Right, right. We're really in the second. We're in the we're in the second act of the like Ducat's overall storyline. 
basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This yeah. is like yeah, I mean, where, this is... where the problem arises for Ducat. And the problem that has arisen for Ducat is that and this the episode pretty much opens here with this plot point where Kira mm-hmm. is escorted because Ducat has been knocked down in rank because as we said in a previous episode, he had a daughter uh, I guess from a comfort Cardet, uh, Bajoran, I guess is what yeah. you would call them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, And he brought him back to his home world, and he lost his job. He lost his family. He lost everything except for his daughter. Yeah, right. Yeah. There's an awful lot of backstory. But yeah, I mean, this is partly okay. why we chose decided to do a podcast about this episode. This is not your regular Star Trek. This is this is kind of like a you know our kind of whole thesis of this is a prequel to the golden age of television. It's like pretty serialized. Yeah. Art, you know, big long story where you can't jump in without really knowing if you jump in cold Turkey, it's like, what is going on? Like it's pretty in depth. Yeah, no. And, and I think that that this episode almost uniquely is a testament to how, how powerful that story, the, a serialized storytelling technique can work in the face of Dukat. Because Dukat in this episode, what he's doing and his character representation of his entire sort of motive in this episode is so complicated. Yeah. And it's so fraught with emotional landmines for you as a viewer and for all of the characters <laughs> in the show. Right, right. That it's so... It's and it's done so well by Marco Lemo, and I don't think that you got. I don't think. Oh my god! I don't think that we get all sorts of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so um, you get like yeah. I don't think that a Lemo would have been as good if it wasn't for all of the serialization mm-hmm. and him sort of living into that character. And I don't think the complication of this character's emotional state could be so well written or so well pre- presented in dramatic action. And this is a, it's not a watershed episode. I say that's every time there's an episode that I don't hate. But I think this is this is delivering you on why a serialization can give you such satisfying characters in a way that Kirk and Spock fight yeah. space Abraham Lincoln doesn't. Right. Not to not to fault that that episode, but no, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, who doesn't love space Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> Adventure Time did it great. It never it's never disappointing. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's not here. Yeah. So I think that this episode is a showcase on why Deep Space Nine is the best trek. I think. Right. I'm and talking about it in like a serialization aspect. Well, even just pacing or timing wise, this is the second episode in a row where it's about somebody that wants to fuck Kira. It is. <laughs> right. And it well, starts it, off with a pretty tawdry story. Like the first, like the opens on her telling like a pretty tawdry yeah. story. Yeah, yeah. She's getting her vaccine. <laughs> well, it starts off she's getting vaccinations because the. Cardassian system is just war torn and fucked up, and all their health system is destroyed. Mm-hmm. So it's like you know, going oh, you got to get all your shots, but so you don't. Get... It's like going to Haiti or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No yeah. offense to Haiti, but yeah, none taken. But y'all been through some shit, you know it. <laughs> <laughs> all those Haiti listeners that we have, I'm talking directly to you. Well, here's the thing: is that she basically talks about getting buffaloed into doing some bullshit diplomacy getting seduced yeah yeah yeah. she got but she's also bragging about getting pounded right yes (laughs) well hey it's not like that it was classy he took her out to her favorite restaurant it's classy at jalanda city (laughs) gave her bajoran spring wine massaged her with koala spice oil 
And then he pounded the shit out of <laughs> Well, I thought she was going to say, was he massaged me with oil? And then he comes to me and he goes, can I ask you a question? And I knew he was going to ask me to do anal. But then he told me to go on a diplomatic mission with Goldicott. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, that's the whole thing. He didn't, she didn't know Goldicott was going to be there. No, it's right. Yeah. Right. And she's getting vaccinated and thrown up. And then Worf comes in and says, well, hey, look, I'm Starfleet security liaison here now. Or strategic operations or whatever. Look, I'm Worf. We're not going to send Eddington in to get his screen time. I'm fucking <laughs> Worf, goddammit. Yeah. yeah, he's <laughs> But he's like, oh, you can't tell them all these secrets. You know, they've, the Federation shared stuff you can't tell the Cardassians about because they're dicks and we don't trust them. And the whole time you don't know how she's, she's acting like really like turned up or something. And you're like, I don't really know what she's doing here. And then when he stops talking, she's about to shit her pants. Well, no, she's about to go throw up. Oh, is it throw? Okay. I thought it looked like she was about to shit her pants. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Julian told her he's given her the stuff that's making her see big green spots like Alvinian melons. Okay. And then he gives her another one that's going to make her nauseous. He says. I don't want to judge anyone's pantomime acting, but when you run off the stage clutching your mouth, that means you have to vomit. <laughs> if you clutch your stomach, that means you're about to shit your pants. Like, I think that's pantomime <laughs> rules. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> They're too classy to make her make like barf noises. On yes. the but uh, it was a pretty, that was pretty much all we're going to see of any Starfleet personnel for this whole episode. Yeah. yeah. And then they show up at the very end. Well, yeah. Because it's yeah. contract, because I mean, Avery Brooks yeah. is contractually obligated to say, a lot in every episode. Right. Well, Cole Meany shows up yeah. and I, and manages to say less in this episode than most of his appearances <laughs> in, in The Next Generation. Yeah, that's true. That right, is true. Right. I mean, I was, I was actually watching this episode and part of what is so fun about Deep Space Nine, I mean, other Treks do it too, but it's like Avery Brooks just gets to be the badass captain that gets to sit in the background and, and be powerful, but it's like, oh, this isn't a story about him. This is a story about his second in command, mm-hmm. like Star Trek Discovery is. <laughs> yeah. But they want to tell you this is the first Trek to ever center on not the captain. It's like, well, okay, sure. Deep Space Nine does get pretty caught up in Cisco's story. I'm not going to, well, but. It seems that it's more of, I mean, it seems like each time, this is the one time where the egos aren't battling, for, but they probably were behind the scenes. We we probably don't know all of the yeah, yeah, like yeah. ego bullshit that Avery Brooks pulled at times of peak or whatever, <laughs> but. It does seem like, you know, every, you know, Shatner was Shatner. Mm -hmm. We all know the Shatner Nimoy stuff. So that's history. And then it seemed that Next Generation, after the first season, they realized that, oh, Patrick Stewart's the best actor on this show by 10, 15, 20 fold. He wants to fight and fuck too. Let's put him in every fucking scene. And they did from that point on. Yeah, yeah. And then I think that Voyager, I know they had issues. Yeah, they had some behind. (laughs) So this was probably the one where you don't hear a ton of ego shit. I mean, I guess around the Jedzia Dax character, but that's smaller potatoes. Yeah. Right. You know, there's, there's no news I'm reading where Avery Brooks is a total asshole. Right. Everybody's... Comini isn't writing a book about, like, how Avery Brooks is a shit like Sulu did Shatner. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> everybody's really invested in telling the best story that they can do. Yeah. I mean, not to downplay the other tracks or anything, but, you know. Right, yeah. Yeah, there's... Oh, yeah, and then... She goes on this diplomatic mission, and then it just basically, like, picks up where episode we had five episodes ago. Uh, where she... She convinces him not to kill his daughter. Yeah, yeah like, right? just starts up. Like, this could be, like, yeah, yeah. you know, like, it could have been, a, like, all of the plot threads are plot threads that are ended at the last episode. Right, right. Yeah, he's kind of like, oh, yeah, well, I'm not bitter or anything, but, you know, you cost me my position. My wife left you. My mom disowned you. 
the kids are gone, and now I'm the captain of this shitty little freighter ship. I get those freight, like, you know, cargo. Oh, and every now and then they give me a diplomat like you, mm. but the groom all is a shitty little bucket that nobody wants. And it, it does such a... Okay, so here's my thing. From every beat in this episode... Everyone, and I think I talked about this in the sister episode, Indiscretion, Mm -hmm. where it's like, well, do you want, we get to like resume that conversation with more evidence. Like, do they want you to experience the face turn of Dukat? Yeah. (laughs) No, wait a minute. I I mean, the name of this episode is Return to Grace. No. Yes. Here's the thing. He is still, he's still a gross pig. Okay. Oh, I totally agree with right. you. I agree with you. Oh, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I'm, we, we are, we're all morally on the same. No, side. but I think even I think his grossness still comes across on purpose through the scenes. I just think he's a complicated guy. Well, that's obviously he loves his daughter. He loves his government or his country or his planet. You know, I imagine they're all the same thing. Mm-hmm. So he's you know he's a patriot with a lot of duty, but he's also a war criminal. Right. Right. And he's also yeah, yeah. a super a skeezy guy who like when you're in a room with him alone and you tell him to stop coming on to you. He like turns it on you and says you can't take a compliment. Like yeah, you're yeah. your typical gross guy behavior. He, he's everything look, you hate. I'm just a person. saying yeah. that you would look prettier if you smiled. I'm <laughs> trying to give you a compliment, yes. lady. He is Roosh V. He is he is uh, Mike Cernovich gorilla mindset. <laughs> he is every gross human being that we we existed. Like he's a fascist. He's a legit fascist. Yeah. Right. He is. But he's still char. I mean, it it's part of like I guess the themes of the whole show going back to even duet like it's showing you that evil is complicated that it, and that it can even be charming at times like they've and that there's pathos in evil but yeah yeah I mean Rob I mean I saw somebody asked Robert Hewitt Wolf on Twitter recently about Ducat and like oh because they the same thing oh it looks like they're trying to turn him in but he was like no I mean we never thought that Ducat was redeemable. Okay, see, that's good. Yeah, yeah, no, no, the, no, yeah. the answer is... But it is, feels like, the, you know, this does a lot of work to show that he's even likable. Like, Kira says over and over in this episode, she doesn't like him, and, and she doesn't, but part of her is still charmed by him. Like, Yeah, no, that's the thing, is that I think that the show plays with some interesting sort of power here in that he's a man he's it's normally something that we kind of like to see especially because he's cast not just that, that he's been felled not that he's like he's at a low point right but that you also see him as a father to a doting to a weirdly doting daughter and so right. well he's like tony soprano he's pre-sopranos he's like <laughs> yeah, hey she, the sopranos took this one step further and made and did try to well we don't we're not going to redeem him but we're going to make him the hero. Yeah. And well, so and I don't want to make everything about Trump because <laughs> it's so easy to do that yeah. these days, but he mm-hmm. does have this, there's something extra weird about a skeevy creep who like comes on to you, you know, when you don't want to also having a weird relationship with his daughter <laughs> and bring your daughter to work, yeah. even though she's not qualified to do anything. But <laughs> he didn't say, he didn't say she calls me daddy. Well, Come here. Yeah, she was right. telling me daddy this morning. So daddy's <laughs> last up in the captain's chair. Well, but, but another thing about a lot of people in popular culture, because Ducat is a fascist and a lot of people, a lot of Trek people, you know, you got Trekkers against Trump. A lot of people like to bring up Ducat as a sort of Trump analog. But here's something that that Ducat does (laughs) that Trump never does, is admit when he's wrong. And he does that at the top of this episode where he talks about, you know, 
I screwed up. I was, I was indiscreet. Right. It was my fault. <laughs> I'm in the situation that I'm in right now. So when a guy has hit bottom and he admits that it's his fault, he automatically becomes sympathetic in the eyes of a viewer story-wise. Mm-hmm. And so it does reset the button a little bit. Right, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's totally not trumping that. And he's like, yeah, I fucked up. But he's also like, oh, it's only a temporary setback. He's so confident. That's what he does it in. He even, like, that's a power move that a lot of men do. And it works. It really, really works. Is that you accept your, I am, I am, I have made mistakes. You know, I thought I was doing the right thing. And I see now that I wasn't. And this woman, this Bajoran military figure is is very powerful woman convinced me to see in myself something and that and i sacrificed for that but i will and now now you get to tell the second story the second act that fitzgerald said americans don't get to have is that you get to do the second act the and now i accumulate and i will accumulate it all back it's a confidence in himself Mm -hmm. and a drive that if it wasn't in this creepy evil fascist is admirable it's compelling right it's compelling at least yeah yeah. Yeah, it's admirable and it's compelling because we like innately we like winners and i think keep going back to like the cardassians more than anything to me are about the I guess what Freud would call the super ego, but you know, like our reptile brains. Yeah. Like that. Our uh, reptiles. I, ironically enough, that I'm compelled by Duke. Like I understand every action and move that Ducat had. And I felt like t- the Tony Soprano had that too. Yeah. I think where it's like, yeah. yeah, he's working off the word. I understand all of these base, like on the turn of a dime in the middle of the episode, he hates Bobby Bacala and like does for the rest of the, ep- the series. Like, I totally get that. <laughs> well, these little micro power. Do you moves. think if, if Ducat came back from open heart surgery, he'd beat the shit out of another Cardassian? <laughs> <laughs> he would have the two episodes where he thought he was a salesman. <laughs> Maybe. And I think that that actually, is... I think this is the equivalent of him beating yeah, the shit out. But no, no, right. definitely what you just said. I remember that episode now. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what he would do. That Tony was weakened. And everybody was treating him like he was an old man. And so I need these people to fear me right. again. And so he beat the shit out of one of them. I remember that episode right. now. And that is exactly what well, Ducat was That's doing. what this episode is. Yeah, this, yeah. Yes. Getting yes. a Klingon ship is beating the shit out of somebody, even though you don't have mm-hmm. to, in order to not appear weak anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, just, but, and then the, the way that he gets Kira to help him to do it. I mean, it goes after that cold open and then he, they're doing battle drills and... She's like, well, you know, if you had a anodyne capacitor, you could recharge those phasers by routing through it. And he's like, yeah, no shit. If I had one, I could do it. <laughs> That's very helpful. And if we had an anodyne capacitor, we would use it. I like how but then he like, delivers oh. that rebuttal. He ramp. He talks to her so slowly, and then ramps up to his point mm-hmm. of, you know what I mean? It's he delivers. He's it so, so perfect. In this. He draws God, you in. So he draws you in with his his delivery. In his performance. Oh, yeah. And then he's like, oh, I'm sorry for being a dick. Let me take you to dinner, babe. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, he's okay. the mystery. If he had a jaunty hat, yes. <laughs> right. a big old fuzzy hat, that would make a lot of sense in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, not only, like, he... And then he comes in and negs her boyfriend. Oh, does, yes. Okay. How, yeah, that's my whole point. How he went about... Like, you watch him go about two Herculean tasks, one of which is to resave his, like, honor in the face of, of Cardassia, and the other one is to fuck this woman. And he's doing it for, like, the same reasons. It's because he's felt so low that he needs to feel dominant. And so he takes these two impossible tasks and just goes at both of them, not clumsy, but smooth, and, and you know, because he's a smart 
villain. Yeah. He's an incredibly smart villain. And he, like, how he needles her. Like, he, she's smart enough to see through him, to her credit. Yeah, yeah. She's like, oh, I see you haven't lost your sense of humor. Like, but well, him, like, saying that, like, oh, you like powerful you men. like powerful men. Oh, you're with that guy that fucked all that girl. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, had a, I had a binder full of women for that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Did he rub you down with that massage oil? That's how he always got all the girls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it does, by the way, he did point out that, uh, it goes back to my Kira, the... Windy Dang. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Bajor. Where he goes, like, you like powerful men, don't you? I mean, you were with Pope Burial before. Now you're with Shakar, the first minister. Hmm, you like powerful men. And he's mm-hmm. like, uh, it's like, oh, well. Yeah, uh, not freighter captains. Back off. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. just, well, he's like, hmm, that just, that just gives me more incentive to get back my position. But yeah, he does. He, he does make that. He makes that, power, like, yeah. He's gross, guys. He, yeah. <laughs> yeah no he he's gross there were some like there were some moments where i was like, like genuinely creeped out at this episode no I, I i totally agree now here's the thing though would you in 2000 i mean i think i feel like that we're that just culturally toxic masculinity is much more gross because like, it's in power mid, to, <laughs> because yeah, yeah yeah no 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 yeah, yes yeah yeah because it's much more highlighted now for a lot of reasons and it's much more just you know, like I'm woker. I don't know. But if you saw this in like the nineties out of context, like if this was, you say you go down and you watch this as your first deep space nine episode. Do you get that the cut is, is not redeemable? I don't think you do. I think you're like on board for it. Cause he's so compelling as a character. And Mark Alamo is so good in the role. I don't know. I think I, I might don't be know. Like, I think anytime you see a woman grossed out by tr- you, you have empathy for her. Her growth. Yeah, but she's she's, she's genuinely grossed out by. She's it. not. And she she is, but other people will see her as being a little bit intrigued as well. Mm, even though she smiles at him a lot. Know. And she there's says, the conversation with the daughter. Yeah, where the daughter was like, "Do you know?" And Zial is yeah, exactly. Look, look, you're being unforgiving now because he's made mistakes and he's admitted to him. She doesn't say this, but that's what that point is: is that he's made mistakes and he's admitted them. Yeah, and you you just need to start accepting that. Because if you don't, then the problem's inside you, Kira. Right. And, yeah. She's and like, that's Look, the- my dad has said, talk to me. He he was against the occupation, but then Kira doesn't even fall for the shit. She's like, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, if if it was still going on, he'd be saying something different. But then at the same time, she's like, well, fuck. It's her dad, and yeah. it's her dad. He loves her, so I'm not gonna tell her to not love her dad. Though. I don't know. I'll tell you what. If that were me. And my first interaction with my dad after years of abandonment was that he wanted to kill me and some lady had to convince him not to. I would be sleeping with one <laughs> eye open. <laughs> I wouldn't trust did, anything did, that fucker said. Did Kira ever tell her that, though? I, did Kira tell her that? Well, she, had, she they had a Mexican standoff. Yeah, they had a phaser. Oh, the dad shit. had a phaser yeah, on. Right. Yeah. That was oh, the first time. Right. Yeah, are you kidding me? And She's like, Daddy, what? He's like, oh, I'm sorry. Now, all of a sudden, Space Ivanka is all ride or die for Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, and I don't get that at all. That does not make sense. Well, it's I, I get that. That's her survival. Well, mechanism. she sees the sacrifices he's made. He's his wife has left him. He's left. He's been put on this rust bucket, and she sees and she's with. And also maybe a little bit of Stockholm syndrome. If we're being yeah, honest, yeah, it's her survival mechanism. I get, I, I get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She can't go. She has nowhere else to be except for the, he's the one powerful figure. Sure, that's like showing her affection and love. 
and saying, hey, I'm the only one that can protect you because you can't go to Cardassia or Bajor, so you're stuck with me now. Yeah. I don't even think the writers view it from that point of view. I think they actually, like, no, he is a loving father and he is a good dad. I think it's the perspective of the writers on the show. Well, if they're... I think you can make others, too. But. Yeah, I don't... I, I don't... I'm agnostic. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I don't know about that to diminish your point. I'm saying, like, I, I, I literally don't know what I think about where they're at with his relationship with Zeal. I know where it goes, but I don't know if I sure, know where, sure. if I, if they, where, I, where I think it's at, where they think it's at right now. Uh, yeah. But it's a definitely interesting. It's an interesting kink in this episode. Yeah, yeah. And I loved watching yeah. that. So they go to the Korma. Korma is a planet that they're supposed to have this kind of talk with all the Cardassian diplomats and Bajoran diplomats or whatever. But it's completely wiped out. There's, mm-hmm. It's been everybody's oh. dead oh wait you there's, but th- there's that much more emasculating does this come before or after the emasculating moment where the klingons don't even bother this is this is right before they get <laughs> okay, there and they're yeah. like what the fuck and then the klingon ship comes in this is a klingon bird of prey that's like obviously destroyed it and then yeah it's totally emasculating his whole shame they fire their weapons at it yeah yeah and it, and it just doesn't even they don't even have their shields up and it they can't get through that's the gotta hole. be some, a first time that we see anything like that in star trek right yeah yeah because everybody's in the best ship of the fleet or something right it's <laughs> going back to that like oh this is the ship. that's a great point yeah yeah, yeah it's a freight you know like Cassidy Yates' little cargo freighter probably doesn't have good weapons on it either. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, Probably couldn't take down a Klingon bird of prey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, you know, they try to do it, and they, they can't even penetrate the shields under the bottom of the hole because that's the first play- time when Kira actually betrays what Worf told her not to do, is to give Federation intelligence to the Cardassians, where she's like, wait, 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 before you shoot, shoot for the hole because that's our weak spot. I think that's... She's supposed to be keeping that close to the vest, but they killed 15 Bajorans too. So she's like, fuck them. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, but isn't it, but isn't the Federation and therefore Bajor technically on the side? I mean, they're not neutral, are they? 100% yeah, neutral? Yeah, I, I think so. Then why are they sharing information with the Cardassians? Well, that, that's the whole thing. They're, well, the Bajorans are. Yeah. Because she sent for the Bajorans, the Federation. So they're not neutral. They're well, in alliance with Cardassia against the Klingons. N- they're not taking firm sides. They're giving them intelligence. They're not. The, no, the, but what no, the whole point about? of the mission was to give them intelligence. Yeah, but restricted intelligence. Worf tells her not no, to tell No, the whole point her. of the mission was to go, to, was a conference about the Dominion. Oh. No, it was to give, no, no, no. It was to give the Cardassians Information that the Federation and Bajor had about Klingon movements and ships to give them information to the Cardassians to help them fight oh, the Klingons. Well, then, but Worf goes in in that first and he's cold, saying cold that open and says that there's Don't things tell that, her these, to, yes, he gives them a list of things not to tell, ah, meaning that right. she's going to tell them a bunch of things. These are the things that you are not supposed to disclose or even breach upon, yeah, the, the tech, because we're going to still keep that tech. Away from yeah, the Cardassians not, too. The photon torpedo guidance systems, long range yeah. scanners, and warp engine overdrives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. they're sharing limited intelligence. So it's a, it's a it's an ally. I mean, they're aligned. They're just not they're not fighting with them. Right, and she's not but there as a aligned. representative of the Federation, but of Bajor. Yeah, yeah, because she's there because Baril asked her, not because. Cisco well, asked. Jakar. Barile. Yeah, yeah, Robopoop is dead. But they're basically at this point the same thing. They keep make they keep turning their lovers into the same fucking person. <laughs> but anyway, true. yes. <laughs> but anyways, Ducat gets his you know, he's like shown how dickless he is because 
the Klingon bird of prey just comes out of it comes uncloaked and sees them and says, "Oh, they're they're not a threat." Mm-hmm. And they just and then they shoot them in the hole. Can't even can't even hurt them with with their shields down. And then they're like, "Oh shit!" But then it just passes right over them because there's like it's like we're not even worth destroying. <laughs> and she's like, "Good." It was such a uh, yeah. It was such an emasculating moment for him. And I it was this is a good script. This is uh, yeah. Iris even Bear wrote this, right? I didn't pay attention. No, no, no. Two ringers. Hans Bimler? Oh, Hans Bimler is... Yeah, he's he's written a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah, he wrote like 26 episodes for Deep Space Nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. And then all of... And then she turns around. She's like, what the fuck are you doing? And then the Klingons go away. And then she's like, well, you know, you could do this. And he's like, well, you just told me not to push this. It's like, well, because I knew we couldn't win just then, but like... Listen, you said that disruptor wasn't destroyed, just disabled. We take that out. And he's like, but... But we can't use it. It's like, well, clear out all the shit out of this cargo hold and we'll look, you gotta think like a resistance fighter, mm-hmm. not like a Cardassian. And so they Jimmy rig this class system five disruptors and put it in the cargo hold and test it and it causes plasma leaks or whatever. But then they've got like a like a pipe gun that they've built basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, and, and, it, then, and then he's like kind of sli- he's slimy about it again and she's like, Oh he's like, Thank thank you so much. Oh and she's like, Oh man, why is it when when you want to smile when you smile it makes me want to leave the room. <laughs> yes. It's so good. These little scenes, these little interactions, they're so perfect. Right. Cause, and he's like, why do you want to help me? He's like, well, like, I, hey, look, I want to get revenge for those Bajorans, too. And OK, and, but all you want is just redemption. You know, you don't care about the people. And he's like, fuck you. I earned my position, but I do care about my people. I'm more complicated. He's being a douchebag. And he's like, hey, but it kind of he kind of sells it because he's I charming. I don't even think he's being a douchebag. He's right. I mean, like, if people go and kill your colonies, blow up your colonies, right. you're a military... I mean, even if you're not a military... I mean, you're a military-trained person, and you're in an open war. Right, right. I mean... But he gets so excited, and he's talking... You should go find those guys. I mean, I get that it's a military mindset, and it's toxic itself. Well, yeah. But, like, you know, he's in the war. He probably should go track those... That ship of 60, like, universe-conquering killers, and... You know, try to stop them. Right. But even the way he's talking about it, it's not like we're going to, he's like, oh, this will, this is going to restore my reputation. And then she's like, well, fuck you. And it's like, hey, hey, listen, I earned that position, but I care about my people. I'm more complicated than you give me credit for. (laughs) And then she's like, well, I guess I prefer simpler men. It's like, like Shakar, that fucking boob. That field hand. Let's call it a field hand. Hey, babe, you don't know me. And it also brings up the point that I was... The episode also brought this idea that, like, did a really good job, and Nana Visitor did a really good job, of showing that she she's not turned on by him, but she is turned on by the, the circumstances. Like, she likes it, too. Well, She likes solving the... Fa- yes. Like, when she's describing the phaser rifles to... to Yes. Zalar or whatever her name is. Uh, Zial. Zial. She's like, yeah, the phaser, the Cardassian phaser disruptor has two beam mm-hmm. settings. It's she's like a, clearly in her element. It's like a Kalashnikov. It's yes. It's solid and simple. That is not like a guy that works at the Amazon loading facility explaining how to load the, the Amazon loading facility to the new guy. No. That is someone right. talking about something that they love. Right. And she does a really good job. And he brings that back to her when he goes, you're waste like when he's like, let's go after this and let's do it. Yeah. He's like, you were you're wasted being a bureaucrat. And that's basically what I've thought the whole time. And I don't like it's not a problem in the show. It's a problem that Kira is being forced into this this bureaucratic job. But that's what happens when you win wars. Yeah, yeah. Is that you raise a generation of soldiers and now they have to be not soldiers. And that's a difficult process, but it's a necessary process. And she's just kind of struggling with it in a lot of episodes. And then 
she i think that's why she always wants to leave like yeah yeah, go yeah. fight like, wars and shit like she's finding a righteous battle <laughs> yeah gets, gets superior odds and like so, well you know she's good at it too it was thrilling for her to like figure out how to fight to make the lace the little potato gun that could take down a Klingon ship. Like that was thrilling to her. So yeah. Yeah. And then the Zial scene is, yeah, we already talked about it a little bit. It's pretty mm. great. I mean, it's like the whole, like, Oh, maybe losing made him a better person. You don't understand him. Like I do Kira. It's like, my dad's a good guy. And it's like, <laughs> and listen, he's talked about it. Hey, both sides did things they re- you did things you regret too. Both oh my sides. god, there's a lot of good people on both sides. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So listen, the Bajoran Antifa is just as bad as the Klingons, <laughs> I mean, as, as the Cardassians. We should talk about the Shakar resistance. That was not the way to do it, guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is this is yeah no <laughs> the Bajoran Antifa. <laughs> I do like I do like how at one point he calls her a, a resistance fighter or something like that at the begin like this in the second act mm-hmm. and then at the end of it like when he's pissed at straight her straight up terrorist yeah, yeah he's yeah. like you're a terrorist yeah well like well, <laughs> yeah. right because that's what I'm like that's what I think honestly when I think of Kira yeah res- she's I don't think of her resist she's resistance fighter she gets called a resistance fighter but she she was a terrorist she was to mm-hmm. incite terror yeah. and yeah well they even called her a terrorist they set her up calling her a terrorist because it's 1994 and yeah you know i think through time terrorist is never a term that one applies to themselves like i think probably isis calls i mean i know that isis calls themselves resistance fighters right yeah yeah so it is like a like terrorist is always a pejorative term yeah but but they they used it pretty freely about the bajorans for on the show for a little while. I guess you're probably right. Like they yeah. wouldn't, they wouldn't nowadays. No, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, we, I think we talked about that a lot in season one, even just cause yeah. that's what they refer to her as. Yeah. Even if, you know, that season wasn't that great, but I mean, the, our season of the podcast is. Our season was fantastic. the best. We actually do have some <laughs> great episodes of that. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's good stuff. Yeah. And then, they go back to, yeah, then they chase the Klingons across the sector. The thing you want from me is forgiveness, and that's the one thing I can never give you. That was the line that Kira gave to Kat. That's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Uh, they talk about the fourth moon of Recall is underground. No, they take a Vorcha class. Amleth Prime, with, no, that's in an emission nebula. Oh, it's on low vault. Oh, that's on the other side of the sector, and there's nothing there. It's like, oh, well, there's a secret weapons installation. It's like, well, okay, well, that's where they're going to go. So they go all the way over there, fake some refined dilithium ore. Who does that? Who does that? Who does that? Damar. Yeah. Oh, Damar. Damar. He's not drinking. Con- who Damar. is just an extra in this episode with a few lines, except spoilers <laughs> fans who have watched DS9 more than three times already, probably. Yeah, he's he's a big character. He's uh, he's, uh, he's one of my faves. Damar's great. <laughs> he's always great. Always and forever. Um. I guess I didn't know this, but the actor Casey Biggs was married at the time to Lana Torres. Oh. And so I think this was a help help a track actor uh, like get her husband off the couch. Oh, a little, a little bit of networking. <laughs> like, like, going I know on you there. can't bring my husband on the Voyager. <laughs> yeah, I think this was but, a, like uh, can you put him on but but Voyager doesn't premiere till season five, right? No, Voyager's been on for a while. No, now. Voyager's come out. Nineteen ninety six. Voyager came on in ninety Oh, I guess you're right. Yeah. We yeah. talked about yeah. 
So I think it was to like help, you know, I don't know. I think they were doing him a favor. We need to get and him then out he of got the, the house. The, he's just shuffling around. And then he got the script, <laughs> yeah. and then he says that he was a little upset because he thought he was going to get a bigger role. Oh, uh, yeah. And they had to promise him that it was a bigger role. And uh, I don't know if that was an empty promise or not, but it's a much bigger role. This guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. this guy's great. I love this guy. And he really, he had a nothing, sort of a nothing role in this episode. It's sort of an ignominious beginning for, for Damar. Right. He sets up the subspace array to look like dilithium or something to trick the Klingons. And then he, he gets to like, hey, I'll go, uh, I'll go show this thing to, to, to Zial, maybe. Yeah, he's got a couple of scenes with Zial. Well, he has a couple of references like, I'm going to go talk to Zial, but he yeah. doesn't actually have a, any screen yeah, time. Let's, let's be clear. He's got no scenes at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but they uh, say his names and he gets to say one-liners like twice. I mean, he it feels like he's in season six more than Gul Dukat is. He knows, yeah, he's right? another yeah. one of those guys who knows how to work under the makeup. Yes, uh, yes. And I feel like that's a real, if you're going to be on there more than just a day player, if you're going to make a real impact, mm-hmm. you got to understand how to, to work underneath that makeup. Yeah. 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 He's got the, he's got one of those faces too in the, you know, in the episode where they don't wear makeup, like his face looks like a great, just like Marco Lima's like great, like Coen brothers faces. Yeah. <laughs> like these yeah. guys could be at Miller's crossing or something. Yeah. These, they got great faces. Yeah. But yeah, so he he sets that up, and then Ducat does some more like boasting about uh, you know this Golmarat guy that's been fucking my wife. He's <laughs> <laughs> a rising star. He's a junior council member in the Datapa Council. That is a weird scene too. That, that is, is a, a weird scene. Yeah, that guy. He's is like cigar. He likes to fuck people's wives. He he. <laughs> he's a he's, man. It makes him like oddly sympathetic that he's. <laughs> That he's lost. Yeah. He's doing it. It's in this like evil. Like I'm looking forward to getting in power and fucking that guy's life. Up. It's the same thing they did with Garrick and the Dias cast and that two parter when he's talking to his um, leader of the city in order. But he's like, oh, I bet the first thing when you get back into power is like you're gonna kill that guy and. Ducat's like, oh, the first thing when I get back into power, I'm going to send that guy to the Breen Embassy <laughs> where it's bitter cold because Cardassians hate the cold. I mean, he likes, he loves, he's probably fucking my wife now. He likes fucking officers wise. <laughs> and the way he said it, he did, like he gave a little like look. He didn't say yes. He just did a little grin. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, God, God, he's so confident. Like Marco Lambo was so confident on set. Yeah, and yeah. it was, yeah. it was, it that was guy would have never so well. dared before, but now that I'm a freighter captain. Yeah. He's fucking my wife. Uh, yeah, all of this, man. This, this is a yeah. this is a fine episode. Yep, and then but then they oh, get, yeah, but then. they yeah then they blow up the Klingon ship basically by getting in their tractor beam by like looking like they're valuable and they're just gonna they talk the the Klingons are like surrender and they're like okay. And then they blow them up. Well, they do a double switch. They do a switch. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's actually pretty clever. Yeah, actually. Isn't that one of the Star Trek movies they did that? Yes, Star Trek 3. Star Trek 3. Oh, that's, that's a Star Trek. the last time they stole a Klingon bird. Right, that's, how, that's like yes. pretty much in the <laughs> Federation rule book at this point. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. It's almost wondering why they didn't just throw in a little, like, I read this in a book about Captain Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not our visitors, pretty much spot on. It's like she's here with us. <laughs> but uh, yes, not enough of, of like a Chicago accent, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, she was in Chicago. Well, I, her the part yeah. of Bajor that she's from mm-hmm. is, is sound, everybody sounds exactly like from <laughs> yeah, Chicago. Yeah, 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 the, yeah. They, they like playing the Bajoran bass. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, well, it's like it's like uh, what's her name? The original space pope was you know oh, from Brooklyn and the Woody right, Allen movies. Right. She talked like Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah, Pope Al- Alpa- <laughs> Kyle Packer. I loved. I miss her. She was great. That's a great. Yeah, actress. she was fabulous. Um, 
She was the highlight of season one, and she was in like maybe five minutes of it. Uh, <laughs> well, that says something. Yeah, about season one. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, duet's a great episode. <laughs> duet's a great episode. Isn't there the is season one's the one with uh Jonathan Banks is the one the Jonathan Banks yeah. episode that was Jonathan that, Banks. That's, is good, that's the episode though, James. She's in. Yeah, that's yeah. the episode yeah, that's where the she's one gone. With Kyle yeah. Thacka, yeah. No, there's the yeah there's the she's in that episode. She's in the well, pilot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, actually, I think there's there's more meat on the bone in season one than I think we maybe we remember. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. You know what? If you, the dear podcast listener, are curious about what we think of season one, you should read do our listen to our white album yes. season one recap of season one. The episodes that each of us thought were the best. I yeah, think yeah. I liked my white album. I think I would rather watch the white album of season one than the white album of season two, except for blood Oath Cause it's a great John Claude Van Damme movie. <laughs> but where were you we know, on this, but, on this episode for the plot? Oh, they, they, yeah, they, yeah. they pull the switcheroo, they teleport and then they get into the, the Klingon bridge and Ducat is like, Oh, wait a minute. Boop. Kill those motherfuckers. Yeah, he buzzed about like, why'd you do that? And I don't, I don't was that necessary? He's like, you tell me you're the terrorist. And he's got a point there too. Oh, she knows like, it too. She's not she's yeah, like she's like, she's like he's right. That just shows how she's changed. She's kind of she's grown, you know, she's like, What? And but it, yeah, in her past she'd been like, Yep, that's the right call. She knows it. Yeah, that's a that's a fucking like that's sixty Klingon tank division right there. They're going to like survive. Like you're not. They're not. You can't arrest them. You're not like. It was just ridiculous. But yes, you could tow them back and make them POWs or something. Yeah, I, I get that they needed to make him do something definitively dubious or dark. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, and that that played for that beat. But I thought that was a little bit forced. This is war, people. You kill people yeah. in war. Well, yeah, but she's been working with the Federation. She's a little bit. She's not. Yeah, uh, yeah, I liked yeah. it, but. Anyway, he's feeling pretty good after that. Yeah, and he gets to run off. The, he runs and he goes, and she's like, "We've unpacked all of this evidence." Like, so she unpacks all of this. Uh, oh yeah, she's got all the all of the stuff. Troop movements, which by the way, everything. creates a continuity error with next next week's episode. I just want to mm-hmm. point out about how easy oh. she finds the files in the bird of prey. But nonetheless, okay. <laughs> um, well, they that's explained. That's explained because Klingon technology is. Oh, I don't know. I haven't watched next week. So, so it, but there's a different explanation in next week's well, episode. Well, I'm just saying that. Remember, it says yeah, you're it, right. They say that I'm like yeah, they do. <laughs> I can't figure this out. Uh, well, that's because clam technology is, and like she's trying to be polite about it. Odd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And uh, he goes off, and he's so excited because he goes off saying, "I'm I'm going to sizz. We're eating in sizzling tonight." <laughs> We're going and to he sizzle. runs. His, he's going to call him up and, and demand his uh. Legget. Legget. Yeah. He's going to demand his legget, his legget back. And, um, he comes back and they're like, they're his, pussies. He, and <laughs> he was so dejected. His, his whole tone and how he carried himself when he came back, that was so wonderfully played. <laughs> oh, it was so great. I mean, and just what he's saying, I mean, again, not to put it back to modern day events, but he's just like, oh my God. My people used to be such proud warriors and feared. Make Cardassia great again. Yeah, we, my race used to sp- inspire fear, but now you know this cultural Marxism's gotten into them. <laughs> they're just, just they're just bowing down, and now it's they're paralyzed, they're defeated, they're beaten. I mean, it, it's white genocide. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag lizard genocide. <laughs> like, and I, that was so uh, like that was particularly like that was where it lost me. I was like, what do you fuck you at this point, Dakot? Because I was with him when you're in the like when you're in like the 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 state of war like they were with the Klingon ship yeah kill those people but when he comes back and goes ah they're not gonna do anything they're suing for peace i'm like that's probably best this war was started over a bunch of dumb bullshit anyway 
Like, you're not in a position to fight a war. They're fighting it for dumb reasons and pride. They're going to negotiate their way out of this. That's but but will they? That's the question. Because Klingons aren't very good at negotiating. Like I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm part of me is with them. Like well, you got to fight Klingons. That's the only thing they know. <laughs> they're they're animals. Yeah, but if James. they're yeah, <laughs> they're animals. They're animals. I don't know about that. They've had a. There's a whole great Star Trek movie about a peace treaty with the Klingons. Oh, what's his face has the yeah. the lightest amount of Klingon makeup because that motherfucker didn't want to wear it. <laughs> I was in Southern Music, assholes. I'm not putting a bunch of shit on my face. But yes, at that point I was like, okay, so fuck it. He's unhinged. I'm not. I'm not with him anymore. And he goes into this megalomaniacal rant about like we're gonna hunt them in the ships. We're gonna hunt them. We're gonna take one ship and one. And he gives. That, I mean, it's a moving speech, but it's. For like empty dumb shit. Well, I see. I and, don't know, uh, I, and I think they did that really well. I think they did it really well. But I, I might have. A, I think he might be a little bit right. Like you can't be wimps. The Klingons are. I mean, I like the Klingons so much more than the Cardassians. So I, I feel bad calling them Nazis as well. But you just gotta, you gotta fight Klingons. That's all. And Kira, I think. Are you, are you a Star Trek neocon? <laughs> Yep, that's exactly what I am. I You're the jinxed. Elliot Abrams of Star Trek. <laughs> no, but I mean, even Kira, I think, realizes that, like, yeah, he needs to do this. She says, and, you know, he gives her this whole speech trying to sell her on it. And she's like, look, I was, no, that wasn't ever going to work. But she does, like, I know, I realize that this is the right call and this is the thing you have to do. She she realizes, like, oh, if it were my people, I would be doing the same thing that you are right now. And then I think that's to her fault, too. She's sympathetic towards his position where you might not Okay, but this isn't, like, the Klingons started a dumb war over dumb shit. And then, like, if there's a chance to get out of it, why are the Cardassians going to escalate it? Because, I mean, I, well, I, I know what's going on, and you know what's right, going right. on. Well, but, like, that's the plan. That's the plan. There is actual cultural Marxism going on here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there is an Illuminati. But you, well, I, why, well, why would the Klingons get out of it? Because they're running roughshod over the Cardassians like pretty easily this whole time. Like, yeah, Klingons are all, all about conquest and they're doing it pretty well. The Cardassians. But if they give are, a, okay, that's fine. I don't know. Maybe I don't know the term. Maybe I don't know the battlefield. Yeah. But if the if if the Cardassians are going to super peace by like rolling over and licking the card under the Cardassians' chin, that's different. Like I, I get that. If that's kind of know, what they're doing though. They're like, oh, Ducat, give the shit back. They didn't say and... that. He doesn't say that. They just say that they're not going to act on this intelligence at the moment. And they're but that they're going to call him back to help them out. But they're going to pursue diplomatic means. Yeah, yeah. Of solution, okay. which is exactly what the Federation would do at this point. It's true, but well, that's hey, let's talk about the Maquis. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> or not that's what you want right Hugh? oh boy my favorite <laughs> i know that there's at least one more marquee story yes i'm just waiting for it to happen <laughs> and then i think they were done right <laughs> but anyway yeah they wrap they wrap it up yeah so no because that guy keeps coming back anyway well, that's what i'm saying the, Maki, well, the yeah. Maki's here for a while yeah okay yeah, um, they wrap it up eventually <laughs> I think that happens soon, but I don't... Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. But then she goes back and talks to Zial, and Zial is like, oh, hey, Kira, Kira, let me show you this trick that Damar showed me. And then Kira's like, nope, <laughs> don't don't take a knife fight. I will cut you, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to win. You're yeah. bad at this. That was like that. I'm, I don't know. I, if you guys have been listening to this podcast a long time, you know that I, I got to think for, for women with powerful exertion. 
And uh, she does the thing. I'm like, uh, okay, okay. <laughs> Way to go, Kara. That that got my attention. But she just like sweeps that girl, like slam, body slams her to the floor. And I thought it was really well. It oddly, it was action that was well, you know, directed for a minute. Can there, we so. officially add uh, Major Kara to your list of weird boner jams? <laughs> she's a she's a fine looking lady. I, I don't no. All right, all right, <laughs> she's, all right. Well, just, just I'm not judging. I know. Her, I'm just I'm, I'm just like, trying to keep tabs. Right. Yeah. I know we're supposed to see a terrorist all the time, and I do in episodes like now. But most of the time, Kira comes off as like a sanctimonious rube, and I'm not into that. Isn't that what a terrorist is, though, when you reduce the, the, the <laughs> yes, evil out yeah. of them or whatever? <laughs> yes, yes. Even like with ISIS, we're like devoutly religious people who cut other people's heads off. Oh, so there's nothing in this right. for, for me to be, you know, like, yeah, all terrorists. Are, but if they were in a new city, they'd still have to ask for directions and they wouldn't know how to order, you know. Yeah. Outside of killing a bunch of people in uh, Germany, the Beider Meinhof gang, they seemed like they were fun, except for killing people. <laughs> but there were Marxists who were like, you know, really like aggressively like sexy, sex positive Marxists. <laughs> that 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 looked fun to me. Okay. That checks a couple of your boxes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's I can see that. The Biter Meinhof gang, except for the killing, uh, killing people that okay. a lot of the boxes were checked. Uh, what what aliens in Star Trek are the an- analogies to them? Uh, of the Biter Meinhof? Uh, probably what, Ke- I don't know. Not what Kiera was because she's a rube. <laughs> I'm uh, just trying to get back on track. That's all. Oh, yeah. I, all I, right. I so where are we on this episode? <laughs> the diversion for the Biter Meinhof gang is over. <laughs> Anyways. It's a great movie, though. You should watch the Biter Meinhof complex. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, um, so Kira talks to Zial, says, like, look, this isn't for you. It goes back to Dukat and says, and Dukat's like, oh, what, did you take my offer? Like, She's like, no, come on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was never tempted by that. <laughs> Look, no. that was great too. She's like, look, I've been, I've been where I'm at, and you know, your whole thing about you need me to tell you how to do all this stuff and all, and I'm gonna love it. It's like, no, I'm not gonna love it. I've been there. It sucked. Every day, a bit of you dies when you you live that life. So let me take Zial because she doesn't need to go through that. And he's like, but but that, that's the only thing I got. It's like, no, look, look, look. Oh, Zial, you don't want her to go through that. She reminds me of myself, and I don't want her to go through that what I went through and you don't either because you are a loving father and you know, come on. Zial's been sleeping with one eye open anyway for months. This deep space nine is the best sleep she's getting in forever. She thinks if she's a, the more she says, I love my father. I love my father. She's yeah, gonna, yeah. 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 He's not going to kill her in her sleep at night. Right. It's the dread pirates, Robert's existence there. Um, <laughs> yeah. And by the way, like how this show, this show could have easily gone off the rails by having her be somewhat moved by Dakot. Yeah. Like I I like the fact that she was not for a minute. That anything you say or do give me any amount of vapor. Right. Like nothing. All of this like for this whole episode basically it's been a full court press to fuck me and I'm unmoved by any of it. And that is nice because it shows like a, you know, a resolve like, character. Yeah. A res- right, well, yeah, a resolve and a level-headedness in Kira right. that, I think that is appreciated. The one thing yeah. that she is moved by is Zial. Yes. Actually. And the fact that, and she knows that he actually does legitimately love his daughter. And she, you know, sees Z- herself in Zial and cares for Zial too. And she's like, look, I might despise you, but I do actually respect your love for your daughter. And I, and we both want to do what's right for her. So then they take her back to DS9. Well, mm-hmm. it, I feel that 
I feel that a lot of her sympathy for Zial has to do with the fact that she's got a shit dad. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. your dad <laughs> is hell bent no, on we, becoming we, either like uh, rising in, in the ranks in his, in his government so he can stop his wife from getting fucked from somebody else, <laughs> or he wants to become a terrorist. You have a shitty dad. It's not like mm-hmm. he's like he's not looking for like good schools for Zial or whatever. <laughs> yeah. There's not a lot of place for it because she's just kind of in a. I think she sees herself and Zial because she's in a. Zial is in a shit situation like Kira was growing up in the occupation. You know, right? Yeah, everywhere sucks for her. You know, like and she wants. No, that's true too. Yeah, and there's one thing in this situation with her and Zial that I, they don't talk about, and I don't even know. Like they don't they don't bring it up, so it's not a thing. But like I, th- I feel like maybe they should have racialized some of that. Like you're Bajoran too, and you should know your people. You never got the chance to be around your people. Yeah, you know, and, and yeah, but she knows that's that. A, you know, that was a mi- that was a missed opportunity. But like, yeah, also she knows that when you have a mixed, uh, you know, species, species, yeah, yeah, you can't live between. You can't get accepted by one or the other. So she maybe she, you know not ra- making a racial thing. Because it that would be impossible for her to actually, you yeah, know. Right. And she's, and unlike a lot, she's come, you know, that duet episode in season one was all about her coming to grips with like Cardassians, and whereas other Bajorans are like kind of racist, right? Against Cardassians, I mean, for their legit reasons, but at the same time, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I think, and I don't think, I don't think that she's judging or like you should be, you know, like in the not like the conflict in the Cardassians episode, but um, you know, just like a you should know something about this people too, you know, mm-hmm. um, and this she seems to be more than the other Zials that come later, yeah, right. it seems that she's more, more Cardassian looking in the way they do her makeup, and I feel like that with the other ones, they make them look more Bajoran. Yeah, I was trying, I, I noticed the makeup, like, I was trying to pinpoint, like, how she's kind of like, wait, the only really difference between her makeup and regular Cardassian makeup is, and they even say, oh, you've got those ridges on your nose, and, like, yeah. it's just Cardassian with nose It's a little lighter. But the later ones are And I think the problem is, is, is she's still got that chunk of black hair, oh, yeah. where I think the other ones have longer brown or hair you know, or something yeah. yeah like white people hair and like so it's it looks more bajoran the way or she looks less cardassian right put it that way. i can't remember but we'll get there is this yeah uh behind the curtain a little bit i think is this is this the last pr- appearance of this zeal or is this zeal is the yeah then we get another one later this season and then we get our final we get our final zeal next season i believe mm-hmm. so yeah. Okay. Yep. And then they go back, and then the rest of the DS9 cast gets their one, you know, one minute appearance on the bridge in ops of Space Nine, and they let the bird of prey dock, and then Ducat kisses last creepy lines to Kira. I was like, oh, now our lives are really intertwined. I guess that pleases you. I was like, well, it pleases me. Oh, Kira, it gives me a reason to live. And he smirks and walks off. <laughs> <laughs> and then Odo and Kira talk and it's like, oh, this is the all she's going to be living with her. And it's like, yeah, I know who she is. She's the daughter. Yeah, that was a yeah. weird little uh, button. With Odo? Yeah, yeah, that was a weird. Yeah, I'll tell you all about it. Well, like, I look forward to it. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought he was on his uh, taking a break from yeah. having anything to do with Kira for a while. I forgot to pay attention. Was he wearing his belt in this episode? I don't remember. No, he wasn't. Yeah. But he, 
He was. It was a weird note. It was like, I guess they're fine now. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> we've talked about this being, a, you know, that serialized missing link mm-hmm. between. But we're going back to resetting all, some of the things. Every episode, even if yeah, they can't bring up everything. Yeah, like I don't even know anything about like Keiko hasn't been in like the last two seasons. Like yeah. I don't know shit about where Keiko right. is. Well, you were complaining that before when we every episode was an O'Brien episode. Now I was, <laughs> and now that now that we now I think now, that now now you miss them, don't you? You can give me an O'Brien epi- episode soon. Oh Though, yeah, we get guys, one. You, I pretty, hope so. Yeah, but, it's a pretty great one in a few weeks, I think. But yeah, but, not next week though. Nope. What is next week? Oh, wait, before we get to that, maybe we should talk about what this episode is rated. Is that where uh, we're Well, I think we we're have been doing our rewatch meter here lately. And if you guys, oh, you guys yeah. feel like doing that on a scale to one to ten, where would you put this on your likelihood to do a rewatch? Like if you were just going to sit down and want to relax and put on a, a, a Deep Space Nine, where would this episode fall? Well, if I wanted to put on one, no. But if I want to do like yeah. a, I'm going to do a, sh- a short little binge of maybe a Ducat arc, it's a nine. Because it's, yeah, it depends on how serialized we're getting in our, in our well, rewatch. We the, thing, well, the way I always look at it is where you're tired. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you, you, you need to go to bed, but you don't want to go to bed. Right. And you want to burn, you want to burn 45 minutes. Right. Uh, do you watch this episode? And I, I, on a scale of one to 10, I love this episode. I think it loses loses it gets docked on the rewatch meter just because it's like deep interpersonal like complicatedness, mm-hmm. right? And so it's not like the you know, the heft the heft weighs it down a little bit. So I don't know. I think it's seven. All right, I, I would probably put it at a, about a about a six. I'm in the middle. I'm pretty I'm mm-hmm. pretty lukewarm on this episode. It's a fine episode, just maybe not what I want to see when I want to just. Pick a random yeah. one. That, you know, if I if I haven't seen Deep Space Nine in a long time, I don't know if I reach for this one. Yeah, but like you said, I do bump it up to a six because if I do feel like it's some Ducat, this is a lot of Ducat, a lot of bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? if I'm so, in a yeah. Ducat mood, I bump this up to like an eight. Oh yeah, just on the the quality of the series. Like if you're like the power of the series, this is this is there. You know, yeah, yeah. it's like okay, like for instance, like on Breaking Bad, the episode where he lets uh, Jessica Jones die in her own vomit. Yeah. Oh like that's God. a great episode. I don't know if I want to watch that episode that <laughs> right. hour before I go to bed. Yeah. You know, it's, I, this is not like that, but it is in that ballpark. You know, sure, sure. All right, All right. well, it, you guys, you want to guess what the good people of IMDb think of this uh, particular episode of Deep Space Nine? Uh, I'm going to hmm. give it an eight point five. Probably too high. I'm sure it's too high. Well, I'm then sh- recalibrate if you want. You're, nope. You're I don't want to. Don't you're want to. you're sticking with it. You're sticking with eight point five. Yeah, I like to go with I'm my gonna guts. Go, I'm gonna go with seven point eight. They don't seem to like here in episodes. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go seven point eight. It says six hundred and sixty-five votes, and it is seven point eight right on the dot. Yep. That okay. That's good. I, I'm yeah, starting yeah. to like. I, I I think I'm starting to get a handle on when Kira and Bajor shit is in an episode. <laughs> my, the, I, I'm I'm my my guesses are way off. I feel like I'm in a bad round of bowling. Like I just can't get in the game. <laughs> you're you're out of the zone. Yeah, you need I'm to get totally back in the zone. zone. Man, you know what? Weeks. This was um. You know, it's got 665 votes. 300 of them were. From males age thirty to forty-four. Really? Yeah, I'm just thinking. It's a, a lot of dudes feel the need to. <laughs> to I think that maybe if you're going to keep that in mind, 
a lot of dudes feel the need to uh, vote on IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> on Star yeah, Trek, anyway. Yeah, okay, that's not totally Well, surprising. for a fandom that's pretty even, you yeah, know what the I mean? Fandoms, yeah, the yeah. fandom is even. I, I feel like a fandom is you know, 50-50. But, yeah, I would say in nerd fandom, the men are more of the curators. Or, no, like, how about this? And nerd fandom, men feel the need to have to have their, to rank their things. opinions. Yes, their that, opinions that's true. Heard. That is definitely, that's what I mean. It's three dudes on a podcast yeah. where we talk about our opinions for an hour and 10 minutes. Right, it's right. like, well, like, well I, need to, I need to put this episode in its place on IMDb so people don't right, get too cocky. Right. When As some dudes. guys say, no, The Watchmen is not Alan Moore's best work, you stupid motherfucker. It's right. his second best work. The, what do you get the man of tomorrow? <laughs> Like that's the guy, right. like that. That's a man. That's I thought, I thought it was from hell. I thought that's what we drove around for years looking for in comic book shops. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> what is like the? What do you get the man of tomorrow? What do you? Whatever, whatever happened there's to the man? Whatever of happened to the man of tomorrow? Yeah, and that's the one that I'm thinking of. But there's another one where, he, like, what do you? It's like where they all buy him a. I don't know, man. Birthday gift. Oh, okay. that's a really good one too. Yeah, yeah. they actually but, turned that one to a comic book on the animated series. But uh, yes, okay. so that's my Alan Moore. I got an Alan Moore reference in this week's episode. <laughs> Good job. That's great. Nice. Good we times. didn't get any David Foster Wallace next week. If you're thing. playing Rules of Acquisition Bingo at home, you <laughs> can mark that one off. <laughs> yeah. But the David Foster the Wallace. You a lot of notes. The David oh, yeah. Foster Wallace uh, <laughs> reference. If you need that for a bingo, you got fucked this week. So. Yeah, we haven't <laughs> yeah, had one of those in a while. Yeah. But Sopranos I bring roles. up just because it's just it's right before that kind of sets off the golden age of television or whatever. Oddly enough, the Sopranos is probably what we bring up the most. Yeah, and I think we all do it equally. Well, yeah, just because I mean, as far as TV zeitgeist or you know sea changes, I feel like that's like the big thing to come up right after this show. Yes, I agree. Well, shit, boys. On that note, should we? Well, uh, well next week. Oh, we're going to talk about next week, yes. Next week is another Tony Todd episode, and... Oh, uh, yeah. I watched it today, and it is fucking fabulous, guys. But anyway, All right. okay. All right. Awesome. I stepped my hand on what I thought. But, uh, yeah. All right. Well, I guess it's time to move on to voicemails and emails. All right. Don't you see, Major? They're paralyzed. They're beaten and defeated. I am the only Cardassian left, and if no one else will stand against the Klingons, I will. All right, uh, welcome to uh, the voicemails and emails and response section for the rules of acquisition. Uh, let's see, what do we got here? Hey, this is Greg from North Carolina. I was calling because I heard the Arman Bashir episode, and you mentioned that that they had a loss and didn't do any more full episodes about it. What I thought was interesting, this makes this was the best thing that could have happened to this particular episode, is not doing any more of them. <laughs> because even if it's not a great episode, you have a, a one where they get to explore the Shear's psyche without having to go directly into his mind or do some sort of crazy psychic thing. He doesn't have anything else riding around in his mind. He's perfectly normal. Derek is there to snipe at him the entire time to help undercut so that you don't get too taken up with it being serious and go, ugh. I don't care, Bashir. I don't care. And then the ending resolution is kind of neat where Bashir literally plays a villain and loses his own game to save the day. And I don't think the uh, Bashir, Julian Bashir character would have been worthwhile an ongoing thing. That might be a bit of a spoiler. 
he does show up a little bit more, but it's, you know, sort of comedy bits appears for one or two minutes and it's not tied to the larger plot that much. So that's honestly a better use of the character than if there had been like an episode five Armand Bashir episode, an episode six, an episode seven, because it would have been basically a new version of the Mirror Universe episode that we already have issues with. And I'm not going to talk about that anymore because we haven't gotten the new ones yet. Anyway, that's it. Have a good day. I agree. I'm glad that there's not more of these episodes. <laughs> yeah, because the Armin Bashir episodes could have easily been the Mirror episodes or O'Brien Must Suffer episodes. Like we, they, it's like a, something they could check off their list. Every, I think those that yeah. having a checklist of episodes, you feel like you are obligated to do. I guess it's sort of handy when you have to do 24 of these, but when you're trying to get through like an overall arc of a story, it, it's a, more of a hindrance than anything. Yeah, if we have a hierarchy of uh, checklist episodes to do that I have to take, okay, I'll take the O'Brien Must Suffer episodes first because those are the best ones of the checklist. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I'll put the crossover episodes. I like that shit, but y'all hate them. Uh, right. Yeah, but if we had like five Bashir, Julian Bashir episodes, I would probably cut all of those because that would get old real fast. Well, we have we have another subset of checklist episodes, and that is the Dax episodes in which Dax hardly does anything herself. <laughs> right. <laughs> they have those Dax-centered episodes. It's the first, like, three seasons yeah. where Dax has, like, four lines in them, but they're all about Dax. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. we're past those now, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was a, uh, yeah, it was a big routine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then Maquis episodes, we haven't hit a lot of those yet. I don't think they're no. also like oh four. I can't wait. I don't. I don't know if I would ca- like call them like form episodes, but yes. Yeah, you're right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They have episodes. We we have these threats. We have the Klingons. We have the Dominion. We have the Maquis. We need to address that in at least one or two episodes. Yeah. Peppered throughout, which you know that that's right. I like having multiple big bads kind of things in that interaction. It's complicated, but yeah. All right. All right. Cool. Thanks for the call. Greg, good to hear from you. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Thank thank you again for listening to the rules of acquisition. We're in the plug section, so we are kickers of valves. Go uh, join our Patreon. Give us money. But not for free. We'll give you shit. Uh, I mean, join us. Yeah, it's not for free. It's yeah. not just... <laughs> we'll give you You're shit. You're getting the free stuff right now. Yeah, yeah. If you kick in uh, just a little bit, you'll get some cool videos audios uh text screenshots you also get included in our new discord Mm -hmm. uh friends of cisco server where you talk with stuff we're learning uh other friends of cisco about star trek Mm -hmm. we're learning this technology as we go along so yes and it's a lot of fun it's a it's a good place to argue about and and share Mm -hmm. uh theories and thoughts on on all things trek yeah so yeah Check that out. What's the backslash on that? It's www.patreon. You don't even need the W's, but Patreon, but you you can. The internet knows how to deal with those. Yes. Uh, Patreon.com slash kickers of elves. No spaces. Universal podcasts are for lackeys. Context is for patrons. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Synergy. Uh, All right. Well, and if people want to give us a call, uh, what should they do for the rules? Oh, of oh, they should they should give us a call at nine one seven four zero eight three eight nine eight. Or if you're international and don't want to pay for international rates like like an asshole, <laughs> you can uh, just send us an email at rules of acquisition podcast at gmail dot com. 
uh, attach a audio file to that that hopefully we can play. But since it's an audio file, keep mm. it under three minutes. Uh, you know, say some insightful things and we will play it on air. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, thanks again for listening to the Rules of Acquisition. We hope that you'll join us next week to hear us talk about another episode of Deep Space Nine. For Wade, James, and myself, uh, thanks again. Three to beam out. Boop, 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 boop. Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line, where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes? They will play them on air and try to be nice to you, because one day they hope to sell you Blue Apron snacks and underwear made out of Modal. The number is 917-408-3898. That number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are. That is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication. We know you love that. Again 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.